Hello and welcome to Systemize Your Success. Today I'm joined by Georges Verdes and his operations manager, Grace Barrow, who is based in the Philippines. Georges is a now frequent guest on the show. I think it's been about your third time on here. And today is a real special one for me. And it's because of a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. Now, just to give you a little very quick backstory, me and Georges met a couple of years ago. And uh, at the time, he had a purely UK-based team. He runs a high-end London-based estate agency. And he came to me with this challenge that one of his key members of staff, his, his office manager, was leaving. And he wanted to systemize that role in order to replace her without things going uh, going wrong, should we say. And so I helped him do that. We created systems around her role. We did that in the six-week window we had before she left. And we did it so well that we're able to systemize pretty much everything she did. And I encouraged Georges to look further afield to actually replace her in her role. And we ended up hiring Grace um, as that replacement, who, as I mentioned before, is based in the Philippines. And the reasons I encourage Georges to do that is I've, I've had fantastic experience of working with overseas workers and primarily from the Philippines. And we're going to get into, I think, as we go through this conversation, the reasons why uh, that has been so successful. And I wanted to showcase really Georgia's story today because he went to visit his entire team. He's now got a majority of his team is now in the Philippines. And he went to visit them all a couple of weeks ago and had some incredible insights, some fab fabulous experiences about going out there and actually meeting them in person, seeing the the world from from their eyes for the first time at, you know face to face and, and in person and I really want to share this I think it was it was a fabulous conversation we had and and I felt that it would benefit everybody else so welcome to both of you thank you very much so the question is this how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash how do we leverage the best apps virtual assistants automation tools and systems to scale our businesses increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day that is the question and this podcast will give you the answer my name is dr steve day and this is systemize your success cool so there is no script to this as i mentioned as we were warming up for this interview um so this is an opportunity really for us to just have a chat about your experiences about you working together with people from the philippines grace what it's like for you maybe working for a a uk or a, well, yeah, a uk-based company what differences maybe that it would be or what ha what differences that has made in your life and what you see you know maybe your colleagues or uh friends and people that, that aren't doing that and, and whether that's a plus or minus and maybe there's pros and cons of both um, and George from your side like maybe discussing why you've continued to grow your your Filipino team and, and I know that this is something you in, intend to continue to do more in the future and so so that good place to start then tell us Georges you know your experience of maybe before taking this leap of faith and then <laughs> afterwards and what were your initial experiences and how has that continued as the years have gone on okay uh thank you steve so um you know you, you know just you sharing you know when my office manager stroke property manager tenancy progressor left uh, that was in um it was she handed me in her notice on the 1st of march 2021 and um that's when um you jumped into the rescue because we were already working together. 
And um, you told me, well, this is what needs to be done so that you can continue um, supporting and delivering what you promised to your clients. Of course, the, the big challenge for me was the fact that you were uh, insisting that you should really be looking overseas and specifically in the Philippines. And maybe you do know, maybe you don't. I did have the opportunity of working with some other team members in the Philippines. Um, however, um, what I can categorically say is the quality of the work. So let me just put things into perspective. Um, currently, I've got 55% of my team working in the Philippines. Uh, they work UK hours. They have direct access to my clients, they speak with my clients, they service my clients, they provide solutions to my clients. And if I go back to before 2021, I did have two virtual assistants, one working full-time, one part-time, but they were kind of hidden as if no one knew about them, as no contact whatsoever with our client base, um, working um, their local times, uh, which, in other words, means that they are seven hours ahead. So around midday, you know, uh, they were my midday, sorry, not their midday, my midday, they were clocking off. And to go from that mindset to the mindset of today, or at least specifically March 2021, uh, George, I think you should use, you know, my recruit right system to hire your next hire. Um, having, you know, I mean, they were good. They were they were good. They were good virtual assistants, but I could just never see how they could possibly deal with a more responsible, a higher level type of job with absolutely very big implications if things didn't go right with my clients. So moving forward a couple of weeks later, I do follow your recruit right system and grace pops up on the screen in terms of, you know, like um, there I am having uh, a one-to-one -one interview with her. And, you know, it was very much according to your, or at least what I also thought were the right selection criteria, because we did have a lot of applications. Um, grace knows this. Um, you know, I mean, Grace, what was it like for you, just the just the hiring before we even got to working together? Um, I I guess what um basically enticed me to apply was um with the um job post alone, it's very detailed on what team I will be joining um with, and um apart from the description of the job, we. There's also a little bit of a challenge in uh, putting all of the information that was required and answering the, um, I think that's a personality test uh, that we've gone through. And um, while I was doing it, I, I was thinking that maybe this is someone or maybe this organization really um, wanted someone that would matter um, in the long run. So it's, um, it's this is how it's being done. So uh, so the the applicants will be filtered 
properly. And so I, I finished the, applic uh, the application. I then received the uh, task task and followed um, every single instruction that was in it and then um, provided the um, asynchronous interview as well, the video. And um, there I was, I received the invitation for a final interview and I spoke to George. That was the beginning of it. Of course, the irony of it all is the um, the assessment, shall we say, was not my assessment. Uh, it was Steve's assessment. Nice. Um, uh, even the, I, know, I remember very, very well because we talked about it, the video when we were asking you about answering you know, a couple of questions, that was not my video, that was Steve's video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it must have felt very interesting, the fact that a different person showed up whose name is that not Steve. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, moving forward from that experience, Steve, you know, from the hiring process and knowing what you should say, do and select uh, and recruit uh, the team member. Um, it wasn't long when, um, and by the way, Grace had absolutely zero, zero, zero. Did I say zero? Yes. Experience. <laughs> in um, uh, tenancy administration, because that was initially your role. Um, yes. Didn't have any uh, legal background or UK legal background or anything of that matter. Um, however, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Grace, you did have a great quantity of videos, definitely not operation manuals at that stage, I think, but videos on how to carry out the tasks uh, um, that you were meant to do as you were progressing Yes, and um, the Asana task uh, templates that were already um, formed during that time. No, no operations manual just yet, but all of them have videos. So by then we we started uh, the the rest of the operations manual. And I think, you know, what was interesting, um, Steve, is I, I, as I was, um, you know, it wasn't just me; it was actually the rest of the team because they had to um, follow my leap of faith. Uh, our tenancy progressor is now in the Philippines. Oh, and by the way, she doesn't know anything, um, but she's got the right ingredients to be able to help you all do your job better and you know, take away a very big chunk of your workload. So I, I think you, know, um, you very quickly know when you have an A player in your team, uh, because I think it was six months down the line. Am I right, Grace? Yes, six months. Yeah, so six months down the line, you know, things were going brilliantly well. And then I said to Grace, do you want to be a tenancy progressor for the rest of your life? She goes, no, I'm like, great. You're firing yourself from that position. Um, I mean, Grace was delighted. Huh? Uh, everybody else here in the UK was absolutely thinking, oh, my God, something happened to George. Why would he want to do this? When everything is working brilliantly well, six months down the line, why does he want to take her away? Um, but I think the biggest insight was the fact that the second time around, I didn't do the hiring. Yes. It was Grace. And not only did she do the hiring, but Grace actually gave me a positive constructive feedback of where I didn't do things right which was very insightful for me uh, because that also shows you, you know, um, our strengths and weaknesses. So if we have to move six months, that was back in uh, November, am I right? November 20... Uh, the, big, uh, the, the end of October 2021. Yes, end of October 2021. So Grace 
does the recruit right system, creates everything because now she's hiring for her own position. And you put the advert and Grace, you take it over. What happened next? Yes, um, it was, um, I mean, I realized that how George did it was a little bit different or um, I um, immediately thought that it was in a very um, quick paced um, hiring. I mean, I think the, um, the what do you call it? The desperation was there because um, it was done yeah. like in a very, very short time. I know it's just an eight day recruitment for the recruit right system. And, uh, but, but yeah, how it was done was, um, I think it compressed to just uh, several days and um, people were called. And when I did it, when I did it, it was a little bit, um, I mean, I, I thought, oh, this is how I was um, uh, interviewed or how I got the test task. So I, when I did it myself, I was looking into the systems and like, oh, this is really, this is a really good system to have because it's very easy for me as, um, as soon as uh, we get all the applicants, we, I mean, all of the, I mean, the, how, how it's being screened or filtered is already there. And I just need, I just need to check a few items and it, there's a, a point basis to how we would um, take e um, applicants to each of the stages. And um, it was fun. I, I, it wasn't that difficult at all. And um, when we reached a stage where we have to interview, we only, uh, I think we had three at the time Correct. and then we chose like a, yeah, yes. and then Laika joined us. So now suddenly there is two of them in the Philippines um, and the rest of us here. And, you know, I mean, I can keep on going on, but, you know, today there is five of us in the Philippines. And, and I think it's important um, when you hear me, I say five of us. I don't say five of them. Um, uh, it's five of us in the Philippines, um, four of us here currently um, looking to actually hire somebody else as well in the UK at this moment. Um, you know, and, and it's a variety of um, of roles and very important roles. So Grace, um, you know, when she handed over her position of the Tennessee Progressor moved into operations and very much uh, with your help process pipelines, you know, yes. I mean, just it's endless. It's an endless list. Um, you know, um, Laika was in the Tennessee Progressor, but then she became sort of, you know, a manager in that position and hired an assistant. Uh, um, today, we have got a Tennessee Progressor. We've got an operations assistant and marketing assistant. We've got an inbound and outbound sales agent. We've got a property manager in the Philippines, and we have an operations manager. Um, so, you know, and this is literally since April 2021. So if you're listening to this podcast, we're talking about two years and a couple of months later. A lot of things can happen in two years and a couple of months later. Some people get married. And this is actually <laughs> what happened. Um, not to Grace, uh, to Ratius, because Ratius announces to us that, um, um, you know, hello, everyone, you know, I just got engaged and I'm gonna, soon going to get married. Um, and George, being George, kind of said, great, let me know the date, I'll come over. So, um, you know. Self-invited himself. Completely self-invited myself. Huh? <laughs> uh, and Rachel didn't say anything. She kind of went along with it. Um, but then at some point I realized what I did. I'm like, you know, are you really sure you, you're okay with that? Um, but, but I saw that as a great opportunity um, to get an insight into what it's like to be 
living in the Philippines and working in for a UK company. You know, what can you do and what and 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 what makes uh, an A player in the Philippines be so amazing? Just really, you know, is it the water they drink, the air that they breathe, or the rice that they eat? You know, what is it? Um and I think, you know, I said, yes, you know, I'm coming over and I knew what the Philippines is because my geography, it's pretty good. Google Maps. Thank you. Um, but I guess I never truly understood how far it is until I got on the plane because, you know, it's all right to book a flight and you can see the connections and it takes, you know, eight and a half hours there, nine and a half there. But that's just numbers. It was very much, you know, when you got on the plane, you realize, oh, OK, this is this is going to be a long flight. And you know, looking back today, that was that was an that was one of those memorable trips that you take, you know, flying Goodness. over. Before we jump into that trip, which I obviously that's the the main event of this show, I just wanted to pick up on a couple of things that you've you've mentioned as you've been talking. And these are, I think, for many people, huge barriers or huge misunderstandings or fears that they have about working with remote teams. It doesn't matter if they're from the Philippines, they're from Europe, they're from uh, South Africa, South America, India, I've worked with people all, all these places. And some of those barriers are firstly from, from a point of view, which I know that some of my friends and family even have joked about, about this concept of you're, you're creating a sweatshop. Because the mm. horrible connotations that, or the the image that people have about about um, big corporations that employ people from other nations, where the where the work is is so uh, unsecure that people are desperate for for um, a regular income, and they're willing to then work for ridiculous hours a ridiculously low amount of money just to be able to put food on the table and provide a very very basic standard living for themselves and their family and as soon as you know i think things are changing now thankfully i've been doing this for quite a few years now but definitely in the early days there's a lot of fear around that and i did a lot of research because of that into what is a fair wage what does it actually mean if i pay someone x number of dollars what does that equate to in in local job terms like what kind of role would they need to have in in a, a locally based company at what level you know whether they're a, uh, an office person a doctor a solicitor you know whatever they're doing like what does it actually look like in, in true relative terms and so a lot of work went into that and uh when before i started recommending uh you know starting wages and and what i what we should what i suggest you should put people on i know that you followed mm -hmm. roughly my guidelines you know maybe yes. did a little bit more or less and benefits or whatever but, but roughly yeah, yeah roughly the same and um and so we can discuss what you actually found out about that when you went over there and actually in person which would be i think quite interesting as well but i think that's one thing that's worth just mentioning as people are listening to this is that that is not what we're talking about here we're not talking about Try. We're not talking about working with people from the Philippines because it's cheap. No. Now it may be a, a benefit to a, a Western-based country to work with a employees that are based in countries where the cost of living is less, because then, relatively speaking, you can pay less for wages and they get the same standard of quality of life. And if I just flip it round, because people still struggle with this thing, oh yeah, but sure, you're sure you're saying that, Steve. If I lived in Switzerland 
And I was employing someone from the UK. And I tried to, I, and, and sorry, if I, yeah, if I live in Switzerland and paying someone from the UK, if I paid them the same wage they were getting, they would get if they lived in Switzerland, they would be living like a kink. Yeah. But similarly, if someone from the UK flew over to, or let's say this, someone from uh, Switzerland tried to remote work to the UK and got paid a UK wage, they couldn't afford to live. Correct. So it's always relative. And yes. I think you've got to try to get this mindset out of as long as we're giving people when we employ them from whatever country they live in, if it's more or less than what our current standard of living is in our sorry, our cost of living is in our, in our country, then it's fine as long as it meets their requirements in their home country. And it may be actually to get somebody who lives in somewhere like Switzerland, you need to actually pay them more. Otherwise, no one's going to be even interested because they get a, you know, get paid more doing something a lot easier. And so that is one of the big things I had to overcome because I was worried about it. You know, people joking about it, you laugh it off. But actually, it is a real deep concern. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to be seen seen like that or, or have that on, on my moral plate, you know, so to speak. So I think that's something that, that really a, a massive barrier that most people um, need to overcome. And the second thing is, like when we're talking about here, hey, you talking about, you know, what is it in the water they drink or the rice eat or whatever, uh, the food they eat. And, mm-hmm. and I think that what I've experienced is that, I don't know if it's complacency, I don't know what the word, I don't know what the reason is, but I think that with people, like when, when I hear a lot of stuff, I've never really employed people. Have I employed someone from the UK? Hmm. Not for many years, not in this recent, not in my recent life. And but I hear a lot from from my uh, clients. I've got you know, hundreds of clients with, with staff both in the UK and, and and the Philippines, and it's and it's more challenging from what I what I understand to find people who really actually care about their job, and actually really really want to do well. They want to progress. They want to succeed. They want to. There's a loyalty there of like and a caring for colleagues, yeah, but also about the success of the business because I think I think they see that. I, want, I don't know, Grace, if you can. Come in on your thoughts. Like, is this a cultural thing? It's like, why is that? Why do we, from your side, why do you think we see that that difference? Um, I I think it is somehow cultural. Um, we normally, or I think it has normalized, but we do think about the tenure. I mean, I mean, we always have that mindset of because um, someone's tenured, we have to follow the lead. And uh, make sure that we, you know, we we um, everything that we are seeing from, with the, I mean, the, from the tenure once we wanted to take that step as well. So what we normally do is to um, follow everything. I mean, we are like um, we were. I think someone said this before. I maybe hated um, <laughs> saying this, but it's like Filipinos are. Um, I mean, have this um, yes, yes, can do. Uh, which is somehow others would think that it's not a good thing. The the, uh, the Westerners would not want or would not um, want um, like immediately until they hear what that yes can do attitude is. Um, and basically because we say yes to everything, we don't even complain. We, we don't even want to complain. I mean, there might be complaints, but uh, we keep it to ourselves and then just work on it. Um, we uh, gather resources, make sure we we do everything um, correctly and um, promptly as well. Now, when it comes to when it comes to people thinking about, um, um, I mean, we we t- I mean, our loyalty does not just um, uh, reside to 
someone who's um, paying us. It's it also um, I think is coming from when we're um, being valued. Um, we're being valued, and we 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 get to reap the benefits of um, working. Um, I I think. Um, efficiently it's because we um we think that um our work is being appreciated valued for so we also give back so that's i think where our loyalty um comes from so is it more so is it is it that it's not actually something inherent with uh, you can't say everybody from a nation uh is the same as everybody else anyway but it, it maybe it's something that's actually it's a combining factors if you like so the fact that the the your culture is the way that you appreciate when you are being valued highly then when when i mean myself and i know george is like this we, we we massively value and try to make that very clear how important the roles are for everybody and all of our yeah. staff wherever they're based and it's that combination that actually really works do you think that's a fair assumption or um yes and add uh, add a little bit of a training um you know this discipline i i suppose i suppose we call it discipline when it comes to working um i don't i mean i haven't tried working in a corp a local based corporate office here in the philippines i never had the chance because um like what i told george when he uh, came here when you don't have a degree you it's very difficult for you to um, get into a corporate job and i don't have a degree so i never tried that the first corporate job that I have tried, or I guess the corporate job, we call that now a corporate job, is a call center, um, the call centers in the Philippines. And when we joined, I mean, when you join a call center, you would be trained, not just um, your the language, you would also be trained discipline, um, you know, uh, I mean, uh, time management, all of all of these things. So um, those combined, I, I guess you would, um, I mean, eventually, um, working for like um how many i think i was working for eight years and all of uh whatever i was trained um in the call center i brought that into the work from home um or the remote um, work and um it's basically working well for me so i guess the, those combinations are i mean did have a good impact good cool okay can i um yeah i think it was a very good point uh steve you know uh, why why did we choose to work with the Philippines? Is it the fact that they are, it's the cost of labor is cheaper? I'm going to be very controversial. If my team in the Philippines decided, you know what? We're leaving the Philippines. We're coming over to London and live in London. I will give them the same job at the equivalent UK rate because they are so good. Because ultimately, this is also what happens, um, you know, with uh, Filipino nurses that are coming from the Philippines with incredible amount of experience over to the UK, you know, to support because there's not enough of them here. There's not enough nurses. I mean, and I know this because, you know, I have relatives that are still in the NHS. And yes, they get a much, much bigger wage. But there are some major drawbacks. You've just completely removed them from their personal circle of friends and family. Yes, they make more money, but their cost of living has gone up. The reason why they've decided to emigrate and relocate to the UK is because they want to send monies back. 
and I understood that whilst I was there, you know, how important that is. Um, and, you know, it's like they're so good at what they do. Why? It's not, it's, yeah, it's not the cost savings. I mean, you know, I was very um, recently, I did this um, with everyone in the team. I actually offered them two and a half times their monthly salary to ask them to leave in seven days. I made the same offer to Grace, like uh, everybody in the team, two and a half times your salary and you can leave. And they say, are you firing me? I'm like, no, but I'm giving you the opportunity to have two and a half. Now, here's the irony of it. Um, they're not an employee of mine. You know, it's just a contractor's, you know, sort of type of agreement. And yet I... I'm here because, you know, contribution is very important for us as a value in the team. So, you know, they don't get treated any differently to anybody here in the UK. They have the same amount of holidays, same amount of sick pay, same amount of benefits, same amount of training, same amount of everything. Um, so, you know, whenever people say, well, the only reason why you went there is because it's cheap. No, it's because they're brilliant. I, I would actually come in and be slightly controversial as well in that i definitely went there because initially there was a it was an affordable rate that at the stage in business when i first looked for help and desperately needed help because i was drowning i simply could not afford to hire somebody at the caliber that i required in the uk to help me and the only way i could get somebody competent enough who was going to stick around because if I did manage to find someone who was undervaluing themselves in the UK who was absolutely brilliant they're probably going to be wanting you know significant pay rises quite quickly or they're going to go and get snapped up by somebody else and so by by going to a, a country like the Philippines I was able to find somebody good and then reward them at a rate that they deserved based on the work they were doing for me, that was relative to where they lived. And so for me, that was the why. Now, as you just alluded to, George, like once your company starts making more money and you could afford to actually pay that person a you know a UK or USA, whatever rate you are, rate, would I then, if the options were lose that person or bring them over here and pay them a full rate, would I would I choose, you know, which one I choose? Of course, I would happily pay them, you know, if, if they wanted to come to the UK. Like that, you know, I'd make it work because I wouldn't want to lose somebody that was that was that was that good. So I think it's uh, maybe a chicken egg, that's the wrong expression, but it's like, why did I start doing it? If I'm really honest, it was the money. Why did I continue doing it? I'm now so passionate about it and why we're having this conversation now it's because of everything else. So, yeah. Interestingly enough, I don't think I did it for the money. I did it because you told me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Your business was at a different, much, much further on stage when, when we, were, we were talking than I was when I first ever hired somebody. I, like, the first time I hired somebody, I had, um, I had the first ever person I had remotely was actually from India um, through an agency. I had 10 hours a month on contract and I never, ever managed to use all 10. You know, and so, and they were, that was, you know, I can't remember what rate, that's about $10 an hour or something like that. And um, yeah, so that was when I first ever started. Uh, and obviously things have evolved since then. And we've been up to like 14 full-time members uh, in our remote teams over the years. And um, 
so yeah i've experienced it from different different sides i guess but yeah you're right good well thank you for having faith in me <laughs> let, that's, not, that's not far from the truth though steve um you know the call centers were built in the philippines because you know the um the pay it's it's the the amount of pay that um i mean the the amount of money that investors will be able to um save when when hiring people and um as I mean, English is our second language, so that's the the, se the second thing. But um, I mean, it's not it's not very difficult to teach us when it comes to the language. So the barrier isn't that high when it comes to the language. And when when you said that you, you yeah the the start the starting pay would is basically very very um, I mean you you can say that it's low, but for us it's it was not. It was, uh, I mean I I guess it was already above the um, the the. The basic wage that we were receiving as a local um, local corporate offices receive, I mean employees received, it's it's way different. So when you said that it wasn't, um, I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's. Um, I mean, we're thankful. We're thankful that everyone came in, especially the um, the remote work, because not everyone can, you know, since the the centers are now being built in the major cities and the traffic is just, I mean, it's very slow. I mean, the movements are very slow. You have to get ready two hours prior, two hours after as well, before you can come um, go home. So um, when the remote work um, has started, we then, um, you know, we, we found a place where we can um, transition to without spending these much of hours outside. And not everyone loves to do it, like uh, being at home because, you know, the social life, they, they would still want the um, social life and, I mean, work and life balance. But um, as long as, I mean, I mean we, as a remote worker, we find ways on how we can balance all of these. And um, every organization, I mean, not every organization, but um, the organizations that I have joined now are basically making sure that even if you're working remote, it uh, you should also um, value uh, health and family. So, I mean, that's our core value now. But uh, yeah, so we we still make sure that we, we um, prioritize our life. Um, I mean, balanced work life as well. Thank you, Grace. Okay, well, let's keep on that track because I think it's a, a thank you for sharing that. Um, I think uh, going back to the reason I really kicked off this interview or, or asked you to to come on this show was because of your both your experiences um, of of George S coming over to visit you, Grace, and I was sent this yes. a, a very nice video. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, uh, I do remember that. George and Grace. Yeah. Uh, and uh, quite shocked by the the height difference because every, everyone's always yes. sat down. George <laughs> uh, is quite tall. tall he was back. crouching. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and um, and I, my wife always jokes about it because she's she's working. She works for one of the big um, banks. And during COVID, she'd meet loads of team members, and they'd all be sat on Zoom. And then post COVID, she'd be meeting people in the office, and their the, their the body shape would be completely unknown to her. So, were they a big person, a little person? Were they tall? Were they short? And so, it's just yeah. like, do, do I know you? You know, and it's and it's just all sort of like it's like it was it was very nice to see. So, there's, there's some of the, the fun things about working remotely, but I think that that the this can't take anything away. And I haven't done this yet, so I hold my hat off you, George, for for going out and and visiting a team because if we were based in the UK, if everybody was here. Even if we were working remotely, we would get together and you would meet Correct. the person and you would, you know, be able to hold their hand, you know, I mean, like shake them by the hand, sorry, <laughs> or, you you know, 
you know, and actually have physical contact with somebody and actually look them like directly in the eye and not through a digital uh, manipulated lens with a with some filter on or whatever you know yeah. <laughs> and um and so what was that like like what did you gain from doing that and, and i know you've you, you massively you came back beaming is what i'm trying to say from that experience yeah. and you came into yeah. our first uh group you know uh, my one of my elite mastermind session you were just like beaming and like you took the floor <laughs> for like 30 minutes uh and just just you know just <laughs> that's that's what prompted me to book this so share some of that experience with us and, and why you feel felt it was such a fabulous thing to do so you know after a long flight um you know you're very excited about actually meeting each team member because yes the excuse was racist wedding but what we had all agreed was that then we're all going to be spending after the wedding time together doing activities on his honey, on her honeymoon yeah uh, on her honeymoon <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah if you said it yes we basically <laughs> even hijacked their honeymoon yes absolutely sorry racious um you know but ultimately you know even here in in the uk you know we have a monthly uh sort of team event together not possibly right now which is our busiest period but you know normally we have a monthly team event so first of all you know i met grace and uh, her partner um you know they welcomed me in cebu of course grace missed me uh, because i was too tall and basically she couldn't see my face because they had frosted the glass as you were coming out of the airport. Um, and the first thing she told me is, don't you ever come close to me because you could immediately understand the difference. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm originally from Greece, so and, and there's a lot of Filipinos in Greece, and I could see a lot of things that we have in common. So uh, the public infrastructure is not as good as our own homes. So the internal of our homes is better than the public, what is out in the street. And immediately you could see that there straight away. Um, I was shocked by the cost of living. I, I was surprised at some point I was like, no, 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 they've made a mistake. We couldn't, we can't have paid all of this for breakfast. All of us eating a lot of food, you know, in a good place and I'm like, Grace, she goes, no, that's normal. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, hold on a second. I paid exactly the same amount of money for sushi and I ate a lot of sushi. I was actually dreading the bill and then I realized it. So, you know, that's the other thing. I think the biggest um, jump or insight is I always say yes to things and then I'm like, I'll work it out along the way. As I was on the plane, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's all, all well and good that we all work together, but we work virtually. What if we don't get on with each other? Because we're going to be spending some time together. And Grace being, you know, you need to get value for money for everything you do. She jam-packed our calendar so much that we had to cancel something because we were like, we won't make it. So one of my biggest concerns and fears was, what if we don't get on? What if after this trip, uh, some people will say, I'm out. And we were literally, I mean, we did this at the end of June. Um, and we're now entering our busy period for lettings, that is. Uh, so that was a very big kind of concern or worry about me. But I think the fact that all of us 
were kind of meeting not in common territory. I think that's what made it very interesting. So, you know, uh, Laika, Maria and Christine were kind of close to Manila and they had to fly to meet us in Botswana. Um, we met with Grace with in our Cebu. partners in Cebu and we had to fly there. So it was kind of like a, a reunion or getting together. And of course, you know, there is the, you know, you kind of feel weird when you meet them. I mean, you know, you want to hug them uh, and say, oh, it's you. It's really you. You really do exist. You know, you do sound the same. Um, you definitely don't look the same in terms of physical, <laughs> you know, on Zoom. Yes. I mean, you know, the biggest joke was uh, Maria because Maria, I don't know how she does it, but her Zoom makes her feel, look so short. And she was the tallest. I'm like, Maria, I swear to God, I did not believe that you were so tall. Um, um, so, you know, and I think, you know, just getting to know each other and also being at a very important event in somebody's life and actually sitting together on a table, you kind of realize, wow, you know, this is really unique and special. And it's only been for the longest team member, that's Grace, two years and a bit. For others, it's less than two years. For others, it's less than a year. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're just sitting there and you want to be part of it. Um, I mean, from a Filipino culture, the other thing that I can say is like, it was very clear that I was the Westerner. That, you know, from any perspective. Oh, sorry, I was on mute. On that note, Georges, Grace, what was it like having your boss fly over? What was um, your experience of it? I mean, the, the moment I saw George, I, I couldn't see him. Like what he said, I couldn't see him because he was like taller than the, the glass window. But when he came out and I, I looked at him and he was so tall, like for for an average, I think, Filipino people, I think, I mean, average, I think five, seven, or I think is the average that I could say is correct. But um, when, when George came out and it was like, he's just... Um, gleaming with like excitement as well like oh there yeah. you are and and i was like yes but you don't come don't even come near me because look at us i, I mean i'm like just your way you're until, up until your waist because you're so tall but um i was very happy to see george's that um i know um he traveled for like 19 hours in total including the 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 stops and he, even though it was a very tiring trip when he came out of the airport, he was like smile, all smiles, um, um, and and you know, um, handshaked and said hello. And when we we were in the um, the cab going to the hotel, it feels like we're just um, in Zoom still because he I mean he's yeah. still asking. Um, I mean, but this time it's not about work; it's about how I mean what the I mean what how everything is going. Um, economic wise in the philippines so i had to, because we had to go through the 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 road that we went through was like i um, mean the the highway that we should be going through was closed so we had to go to the slum area the small road and george um seen it all like the slums and he was like oh so this is how it is what about the the healthcare? what about all of that i had i had to tell him how's life in the philippines especially in that area and how how that's why when we are working, we, we, I mean, what we are getting from uh, just even though um, 
people would frown upon being a, a call center agent or something. It, we, it still gives us the benefit, so we don't care, really. And George was like um, seeing all of it. Grace, let me just touch on that for a second just to explain the background behind that because I think that was one of the most poignant things that when George and I had a conversation about this was about that point you just made. And that was that actually for, you said that huge numbers of people, I presume it's tens if not hundreds of thousands of people work in call centres. And the, you you know you guys had a conversation about this and some of the things that came up and this was not to tell the whole story for you, but just to re- remind you, really, you were staying in a hotel, George, that overlooked the call center district. And yeah, you mentioned my, yeah. things about, you talked about culture, job prospects, holidays, wages, Z- ZTP. Can you just point you? Can you just sure. explain a little so, bit about this? And maybe from both of your sides, Grace, because it would have come from you originally, I think, the, the yeah. a lot of this stuff. So, yeah. So, you know, whenever I go and visit a new country, uh, I am... I'm just curious. I just want to know everything. And I'm not the type of person that I want to read it from a book because that's one perspective. I actually want to live it. So I had told Grace, look, when I land, I will be asking you loads of questions. So make sure you have panadols because, or paracetamol, sorry, because there will be loads of questions. I definitely gave her loads of questions, like nonstop. I didn't, you know, the slums and everything. Okay. That's one aspect, but I was more curious to find out, you know, what was happening behind, you know, uh, uh, and this is going to sound so weird. The kids were happy. They were playing. But coming back, so there is one aspect. On my first day, we drive through the slums, and one of the deals that I had done with my wife is like, I'm not going to talk about work. So all the questions, we were not going to talk about work. Oh, and by the way, just to make it clear, I took my whole team from the Philippines out of action, no work, whilst the UK team continued their work. Not very popular, but, you know, but it just shows you how important they are. Um, So we're not going to talk about work. So I was asking loads and loads of questions. And we end up, I think it was the last two nights of our trip. Uh, my hotel booking got slightly messed up. I was in a nice hotel, which the whole team was meant to be joining me on the last night. Grace tells me, big thing. I don't know what happened. They've messed up the booking. You know, I need to find you another hotel. I'm like, great. I'm sleeping in the same hotel as you are. Well, George, I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm sleeping in the same hotel as you are. Well, George, you know, there might be cockroaches. I'm like, great. I'll have some fun with them. <laughs> now, I'm so glad that that happened because probably that is one of the biggest highlights for me. We were in Cebu, Uh, it's called IT Park. And the moment you drive in, you understand, hold on a second, this is different. This is very different to the rest of what I've been seeing because you can see big towers, all the chains, nice roads, life in the middle of the night. We arrived at 11, 11.30, life and loads of young people. So I was like to Grace, what is this? Oh, she goes, this is IT Park. I'm like, oh. Wow, this is nice. What's here? She goes, this is where all the call centers are. I'm like, call centers? She goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. Okay, that's interesting. As we were driving past, because, you know, until we find that hotel, I even saw JP Morgan. I said, wow, great. You have JP Morgan here. You know, we've got the same thing in our city, you know, in the uh, uh, financial center. She goes, George, that's not JP Morgan, the bank. 
I'm like, oh, what is it? She goes, that's JP Morgan, the call center. I'm like, okay. Now, by pure coincidence, four of my team members have got call center background or previous experience, name it whatever you want. And, you know, I was hearing acronyms such as ZTP. So, you know, like I was like, oh, yeah, ZTP, you know, that's not a great thing. I was like, ZTP, you know, and you try to be savvy or smart. And I was like, is that the Zoiper software? She goes, no, 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 no. That's a zero tolerance policy. I'm like, okay, explain to me. So she shared with me her insights because she also worked in one of these call centers that if you go off script by one word, zero tolerance policy, you're out. You're literally out. I was like, okay. And then I said, oh, I'm sure things must have been definitely getting better, you know, since you left that industry. She goes, yeah. I'm like, you see, I knew. She goes, for the employer. I'm like, what? She goes, it's for the employer. I was like, okay. And then I was hearing the taboos, you know, the impact that it has got on all of these, um, everyone that works in that call center. And just to put things into perspective, because you can't, we're talking a tower, like a proper, proper, proper tower, parkings in the first few floors. And then you literally see lights in the middle of the night, 11 o'clock at night, packed. They are packed. So then I'm starting to ask more questions. So why are they still here? Well, they are call centers. For who? Well, it's for US and Canada. I'm like, oh, okay. They're 12 hours ahead. So we start at nine. We finish at six. Or even worse, if it's Pacific time. Is that the worst 12. one? 12, 12, 12 midnight until eight. 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting that Grace says 8 to 1 instead of 8. Um, sounds like, okay. So suddenly from the moment that I was admiring where I was in the area that I was in, I actually felt disgusted. And it's a very strong word that I'm using. I felt disgusted because of the... Uh, working conditions. I don't know what it's like to have a zero tolerance policy. I've never heard of that before in my life. Grace, would you be willing to just share your experience or what you know from, from friends and colleagues that worked in those sort of sectors or still work there? Like, what is the culture like and the prospects and what's, a, what's the day-to-day work like for the majority of people working in the Philippines in that sort of job? Um, currently, what I, I mean, I've had, I mean, now a few relatives that are also joining the call center, the young ones are now slowly joining the call centers. It's, it's basically in the Philippines, the, um, when, once you graduate and you got your degree, it's very difficult to get a corporate job without an experience. And it's, it's a very, you know, a chicken and egg problem because, you know, you can't get in when you don't have an experience. And, and, and even if you have an experience and you don't have a degree, you still can, could not come in. So it's, it's, it's that kind. So some people would start at a call center, get an experience there and uh, bring, bring it forth to um, corporate, uh, another or a local based uh, corporate offices. But um, when, when working um, in a call center, it's basically, I mean, I, I started as a customer. I mean, I started as a collections agent um, for a uh, U.S. company. And um, I mean, it's, it's not, 
basically collections, but it is uh, it was skip tracing. So I did all of the skip tracing. I'm I'm basically the snitch for all of the people who were like running from their debts, and I was that person. And eventually, I moved to a customer service because I think the the snitching part was very difficult for me. So I went to a customer service, and it wasn't that bad um, initially. I would say because I was um, a a night person anyway. So I'm I'm used to. Um, being awake at night and asleep during the day, but eventually it will be your health that will um, catch on. And and so you would you would want to look for a, a different job that would um, that that would allow you to work during your daytime. So there are also call centers for for Australian company, which is basically the same time as the Philippines. So it is a good a good job because you you are working the normal hours. That's that's better. Uh, but still, the culture inside the you know the the culture inside the centers are quite difficult. I mean, not difficult, I would say. It's it's very strict. Um, there's always um, a memo for everything. So um, say the ZTP, the zero tolerance policy, it, it's basically, it basically starts with if you've, um, if you forget or if you verify the number yourself, not the customer, you would be marked this. I mean, there's a point basis or there's a point system. So it's quite toxic in the long run and not everyone gets the chance to be promoted as well and it's a very um a fast-paced environment i would say um and, and you would be there like eight hours on the phones on the phones and the queue are just i mean it's just technically like a hundred if it's like a um short calls like three four minutes that's a hundred over calls in a night and you would not not just um i mean you would be receiving calls from i mean night there are nice people but there are also already upset um callers so you would be the sponge to all of these um disappointment um calls so you will be receiving all of them and then you go home sometimes you i mean i i guess the reason why there are a lot of um pubs um, outside the call centers are because once the the shift is done, every one of you will go there to just vent out, drink your heart out. That's it, and um, move on to the next day. And that's that's that was the main thing that I um, I, I I think I, I was already at the end of um, like I I I cannot see myself doing this forever. I need to do something else that um, I think. You know, I don't have to travel four hours. I mean, I would, I that wouldn't take my four hours every day just for travel. And I wanted to be you know, still at home with, with my family because I had to move to the city. And I'm from from a, a smaller town somewhere south, so I had to move because the the opportunity is just in the city. So when I decided to work from home or start remote working, I went back home and um, I can, I am with family, so that's minus one of the toxicity of being in a corporate or in a call center. And that just, I mean, everything started. So I, in the call center, your, your education is stagnant. So the tendency is you have to, I mean, if you're someone who, who um, gears into learning while working, 
you wouldn't want to be in a call center because you will only learn one thing to provide customer service. And that's the, and that's the only one product that you will be supporting for. So if you're if you want to improve um, your education or at least um, your general knowledge when it comes to um, everything or you want to develop um, personal skills and uh, business skills, then you would want to job hop. So you'd go to one center to another. And that's what I, I mean. That's how I did it. And um, eventually I got tired doing it. So I went, um, I went fully remote and um, built, built um, what I've, I've learned from, from the remote work. Yeah. And very, very interesting. And what, what's your, um, like looking at comparison of, of then and now? So when you're working in the, in the call centers versus now, just what, like a snapshot of maybe not to say what your wages are or anything like that, but just like comparatively, you know, what's your like standard living now? holiday or time off work like genuine time off work and time with your family or doing things that you enjoy doing and having time for hobbies or you know anything like that so what, what's changed in those sorts of aspects from working for a typical call center to working with with Jordis, which i don't you know i don't Jordis, i think you, you are fantastic i don't think you are an exception you know something that's like completely it's not like a a Google zero work policy where you just do what you want. You know, it's like no. standard sort of office. Yes. What anyone in the UK would, you're very generous, but you're not, it's not extreme by any means. So it's very, mm-hmm. what most people would, would accept as a normal sort of UK based uh, benefits and wages. Yeah. Correct. So what, what for you, Grace, has that meant? Oh, it's, it's way too different, Steve. Um, I, I could still remember um, in the call centers, we had this, um, when, when you join, you're onboarded, and then you get to hear all of the, the human resource saying that um, we have an open, po- open door policy, but no one, no one stepped in into that door, that door that they said is an open door to, you know, just discuss whatever your problem is, but no, no one stepped in and no one would even dare because it's somehow very uh, intimidating to get into that room. So, but right now, when there's something wrong, I mean, when you're working remotely and, and, and you feel, or if I feel that this is not something that um, I, I, would, I would want to do, or I, I don't like how this is being done, someone, can, someone would listen. I think uh, with London Executive, everyone is being heard. So whatever we think would be helpful, or if we don't, um, I mean, if this is not for, I mean, especially the um, know it, hate it, like it, thing we put everything that we hate there just so we don't we don't get we i mean not just like we don't i mean we 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 i'm not saying that we don't want to accept it it's just that it's not the best that i mean we're not that the best for that specific kind of task so we we don't want to um meddle because there are someone else there's someone else in the team that can do it Mm -hmm. and way better. better yes way better so when when that i mean when i was feeling that form out i was already feeling like Oh, this is fun because I, I, I'm not, I'm not um, going to be forced to do something that I, I could not, even if there's training, because I would not be able to understand it anyway. It's just a waste of time training someone that's not interested to, um, for that specific task. So um, the difference when it comes to communication by, by say, director or, or the CEO, not because um, this is just a very small business, but it's how we can um, uh, relay whatever we f- what we think or what we feel like um, saying especially um, there's a one-to-one meeting I get the chance to tell how I feel 
um, about workload, about everything, even family, whatever, whatever under the sun, I have that 10 minutes to, to tell George what I, I needed to say. Just so I, you know, my week is, um, is complete when, when I get that meeting, that, that part of the week. So it, we didn't have that in the, the corporate or I mean the call center. So it's, it's just, I mean, there's a one-to-one, I mean, there's a coaching in the call center, but because you, maybe you're not very, I mean, you're not doing well with your work. That's mostly how coaching starts. And it wasn't, it wasn't very, I mean, it wasn't a very kind um, environment, I would say. What about the holidays? Yeah, what about oh. your family, like family life and social and what, what's changed there? Is it better, worse or, or the same? The, the family life is way, I mean, right now is way better. I have the, um, the freedom to choose what um, holidays I can take. Um, so what was what has been agreed, like um, I, if it's uh, the UK holiday, I can take it or not. And I can just um, use it from another time that I'd, I'd want to use it. And it's very beneficial because um, it's also a quiet time for me. So when everyone is away, the UK team is away, I can just be me and do everything that I needed. And I, I, I get to very productive. And when I do need my holiday, I would take um, I would take it. And especially if it's something very important, I have it ready. Like, I mean, in the, the, um, in the call center environment, you would have to ask for about a month prior. And sometimes it wouldn't be even approved. You will still, you will be asked why you're going on, on leave. And um, now I'm, I'm not being asked um, anything why I'm taking it. It's because I, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, um, it has become a right, not, not a privilege anymore, but for George, um, he allows us to take it whenever we want, and it, I, I think for the, um, the the family, I'm near my family. I don't even have to go somewhere else. I don't have to live into this to live in the city to um, work for a call center. So I get paid um, like um, a better a better wage compared to a local um, businesses um, employee. So. Um, not just to, the, the the benefits. I mean, I I still have. I mean, I'm I'm getting the same benefits from a a a, um, a, a Philippine call center or a call center. I, I get the same benefits, but it's way better um, having these when I also have the freedom. Not just, I mean, a free reign to learn to to um, develop my skills and. There, there isn't any. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I couldn't think of any other, um, aside from the the um, you know doctors and all those uh, profession because they they are learning continuously. But um, as I mean, like me, that I was working as a call center agent, there was no education um, or a continuous education that was happening. So you have to find it yourself, or you have to um, do it yourself. You have to educate yourself, and uh, that's what I'm getting now. And it's way it's it's different, um, especially when you're working remotely. You will be you will have to be very resourceful. And when you do that, you get to learn as well. So yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Grace. So um, okay, cool. Um, what else should we talk about before we wrap up? I um I noticed something that the on my notes from the conversation we had, and um, that really struck me quite quite strongly and this was something you talked about about 
the perception of people that work in thing in many of the the, the jobs in the Philippines and like is so explain that if you can Grace like what is it like for you if you work in certain types of jobs is that is that looked negatively upon that's the impression I got do you know what I'm talking about here uh the, the call centers yeah you would you, you we talked about um about the fact that you're working in a call center, you have very little holidays, you don't, you're finishing very late, you don't really have, therefore, building friendships outside work is very difficult, and people can look quite negatively upon that. Um, is that something that you've, you've experienced as well? Um, I did for some time, but I mean, I personally, I guess I'm, I'm uh, a little bit of, um, I'm, I'm, very positive person so I don't um, let myself down to whatever you know whatever life throws at me but um some people some people are are you know they they're not the um, um they they couldn't ad- adapt to the way of life that that quick and it, it was it's very hard for them and I can, I can see it I I, I get to to speak to them and uh, when they say that um this is quite difficult for me and some people would eventually just leave and and, you know you know how i mean what it um did to them like mentally physically you'd see that you you would see that and um i guess i was um i was in a better position when it comes to um trying to i mean when I, i i mean it's just maybe um Personally, I am very positive into everything, and I don't um, feel like it's it's very difficult. But there are so many people that um, this is just too difficult for them uh, to understand as well. And um, I, I'm exposed. I mean, I, I was exposed uh, very early on to like you know a Western type of um, um, education or the, the, that kind of stuff so um I, it's not very new to me but for some it was very difficult and i can see that and it's um some of them are um, having difficult time to cope um for i mean about the toxicity in the work um that they're doing and um it reflects to um the work that they're doing as well um so eventually they'll just um, move out and stop working and um some would just continue and some would um eventually just um some are um into i would i mean this is also controversial but um some are um being addicted to you know uh, the drugs the illegal drugs or into a very dangerous um activities like gambling some sort of um um areas or like vices that people would would um you know be get addicted to because that's how they would um, try for for them to understand what's happening or um it's it's very difficult you mean as as coping strategies for the stress yeah the stress yes i mean if you if you think about it that you work in a toxic environment where this is the irony of it all so you work in a toxic environment um in completely unsociable hours is literally you know steve i mean you used to be a doctor you know that you are on call every single night no exceptions for the rest of your life you start at nine you hand over at six or seven whatever um and it's six days a week as well six days a week yeah six days a week it's just yeah because i want to just loop back because because my understanding was just just 
when you're saying it's very similar and maybe misunderstood, but Grace, like before you mentioned about it being the benefits, the similar and the working conditions are similar, like, and maybe that's not what you in, you intended because my understanding was it was quite different. And for my, well, I think what you said by similar is, uh, I think the health insurance benefits, that sort of thing. Am I correct, Grace? Yes, um, that that sort of thing, including the um, the thirteenth month ban. The reason why I say this is because um, for remote workers don't get the same, all the same. Like it depends on um, what the, I mean, how the organization would um, provide the benefit. The, the benefits. So I, I'm not even expecting anything because it's not, I mean, we're not, I mean, London executive is not obliged to provide all of these. So when I started, I'm not expecting anything, including the uh, 13th month pay or the health benefits. But um, when that was uh, provided, I, I can feel that, yeah, uh, but it is way better because I'm, I'm being given that because um, even, even though it's not, um, it's not, um, what do you call this? Um, I mean, the London executive is not obliged to to provide that, but we're, I'm still receiving that. So I'd say uh, the the benefits I'm getting is uh, now the same. It's just that how I use it now is different. I mean, how I'm enjoying it is different. Yeah. Because Steve, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, when you do all these night shifts as a doctor, and you know, I mean, you know, hospitals are uh, very stressful, you know, this is life or death uh, and you work at night uh, and you come back the next day, but, you know, society looks at you and says, here's a doctor, you know, he's, they appreciate you. Put it with me being grouchy in the mornings on you. (laughs) (laughs) They appreciate you. But then, you know, on the other hand, society in the Philippines, although these people in the call centers get paid more money, provide this money to their families, uh, they're not being admired by society. Not everyone how society, understands. How does society, Grace, look at people if you tell them? It's not a sort of um, a badge of honor to say that I work in a call center. That's true. I mean, it's not um, when, you know, the elderly, the elderly would want their children to um, get the degree, get the corporate job, um, especially, you know, the, the, the local corporate jobs. But when you say that you work, um, in a call center, everyone would say, what is even a call center? They don't even know what it is. And when you tell them that you support people or you help people from a different country to fix this and to fix that, they don't even um, understand the, the the feeling that we get when we help, when we are able to help people. And especially the call centers are and sometimes uh, you know we're, be, we're we're called um promiscuous people because we we work at night you know it's it's very difficult um getting all of those comments but i i guess now it's a little bit um it's it's slowly being accepted because um there are really a lot of um people that are being i mean that uh were able to um um provide for the families because of the proper or the, the pay that is way above the average or the minimum in the Philippines. And um, especially that it's it's still, I mean, because not everyone can do, the, do it, even though English is our second language, not everyone can do it. Not everyone has the heart to be trained in that specific environment. So um, it's slowly, I guess, but um, I hope it will be accepted. Grace, you, you touched on something, and maybe we can just sort of come to sort of a, a natural close after this. But 
but it's something that I thought was very important to acknowledge. And that's, you just mentioned there that I know you said some negative things about working in the call center and the, the perception that people may have of you and the working conditions and the, and the re- like the, the relatively, the, um, relatively low pay compared to some other opportunities like working as a virtual assistant or whatever label you want to give a remote worker. But what those call centers are doing is providing regular income at a rate far higher than people could get anywhere else. And so to me, that is forcing people by the sounds of it, it's uh, that is we're going back right back to the beginning conversation about you uh, taking advantage for a, for a better, I can't think of a better word, but taking advantage of the fact that people desperately need work, desperately need regular income to be able to put food on the table, support their families. Thanks. And so therefore, these big conglomerates can come in and set up really quite not great working environments and people will flood to them because they need it. And I think that one of the things that from speaking to my staff, who all I think most of them have worked in call centers over the time, especially my long term staff, is that the the, the difference, and you've you've alluded to this, but the difference for them, their mental health, uh, the time, like you said before, the time actually they get to spend with their families because they're able to live at home or live near home, or, you know, that's a choice that they now have. Um, So even if the money was the same, even if they still had to work six days a week, and even if it was overnight, it's it's still for many people who have families, especially I think, a really a, 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 it's a it's a to be able to have the choice, um, and for us to be able to provide that choice, and you know if we're nice people, do it generously, right. then uh, I think that's a pretty cool thing. I'm, I'm you know I'm the more it I is. Learn about the more I learn about stuff, the more I'm happy that this is the way I went and the path I chose, and I think. It's what you were saying before, George, about. And the number one, and the number one thing is that it has become the second most, um, yeah, what do you call it, GDP generating uh, in the Philippines because it, first it's it's service. Uh, I mean, our um, overseas foreign workers, the sec- because of the remittances, and now it's the call centers. But because of the work from home, I, I mean, the remote work that is basically directly being paid to the employee, not to companies first and then to the employee. No, it it, it appears to be like a remittance. So it, it goes back to, you know, um, it, it goes back to the country as well. So it's yeah. not it's not that bad. There's no, there's no middleman, so to speak. Yes, no, yes, yeah, and correct. The, well, indirectly, and the government should, if, you know, people <laughs> pay the taxes and stuff like that, then it should actually you know, benefit the country more directly than rather than most have been scraped off by... By uh, who is it? JP, JP. JP Morgan. I'm pretty sure weren't found in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. good. Fantastic. Any, anything else you wanted to add, judges, before we finish up? It was, you know, I mean, and somehow, you know, we ended up talking about the uh, IT park and not so much about, you know, what it was like being with your team, you know, over a very strenuous and fully packed schedule doing everything from, you know, well sharks to, you know, it was unbelievable. It was, you know, back to this IT park, back to these call centers. The irony of it all was the room that they gave me in the same hotel that Grace and the rest of the team were in was on the sixth floor and they gave me a corner one. 
it's what I shared with you, Steve, you know, my direct view on both windows were the call centers. Now that night, uh, we had to get up at 4 a.m. No, not 4 a.m. 4 a.m. We had to leave the hotel because three. we were going. <laughs> but then we left at 3 because Chris said to me, are you up? I was like, yes. But the reason why I was up was not for a good reason. So I was looking at, you know, at these call centers. And then I was, I'm like, you know, I have the privilege of being able to sleep normal hours whilst they don't, or at least they don't know that they can. And, you know, that really troubled me and affected me. So, you know, whoever was awake on that bus trip on our way, you know, to see the whale sharks, I, I was just saying, you know, you know, we we can do something about it. And like, well, what can we do? I'm like, well, even if it means just one more person, an A-team player, taking them out from there, giving them an incredible different quality of life where they don't have to work, you know, throughout the night. Because if you work for a UK company, it's 4 p.m. till 1 a.m. Um, you know, I'm a late bird. So, you know, 1 a.m. is kind of the time that I go to bed. Yeah. Um, to... Uh, the benefits to the learning experience and everything. That's that's a very, very important why we actually want to continue keep growing in the Philippines. Um, it's not a coincidence that there's five of us there. I'll definitely see them again next year. I mean, they're already planning, you know, let's do that, let's do this. Um, but ultimately, it's how well we have bonded together on the same values that we work together, how we're all eager to learn. You know, on a Saturday, yesterday, I get a message from a team member of mine. And what does she send me? A picture of the Profit First book. She goes, I just want to say thank you. I didn't buy it for her. She bought it for herself. I just talked about it. You know, I don't remember the last time I had somebody in my team in the UK that I talked about something and they took a picture of the book that I was referring to to say thank you for letting me know about this book. I've had exactly the same experience with someone from the Philippines. Must be the water, the rice, (laughs) or the air. Fantastic. And on that, I think we should wrap it up. Thank you so much to both of you for for today. Um, I was excited about having this conversation with you and uh, sharing some of your experiences. And uh, I wasn't let down. So thank you both. Thank you, Steve. We'll speak again. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Bye now. Thanks, Steve. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else that you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. 
So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts, so please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions, and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day, and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Oh,